basically welcome on the uh, the conversation. Um, Thank my you. first question really is sort of what made you such a, a strong advocate for reforming drug laws? I mean, uh, obviously there's the new book um, I've seen in terms of uh, a lot of the stuff that you've done in terms of, you know, writing about drug laws and stuff. Uh, and then, uh, you know, why did you then go and, and decide to publish a book on the issue? I mean, to be honest, I, I, let, I let my reporting and, and the facts uh, pretty much do the talking. Um, the book's more like a history of of drug policy and an appraisal of, of the different models um, that are in place, like contemporaneously and historically. Um, but yeah, like drugs have obviously affected my life tremendously, um, inclu including through serious addiction in my family. Um, so simply seeing and chatting with people who have dependencies on the streets, you know, living in Bethnal Green, growing up in Bletchley. And yeah, these people, you know, lovely souls, many, 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 all, all of them, you know, but seemingly receiving little useful help. And yeah, I've had my own kind of issues with alcohol and drugs, like nothing approaching dependency, but def definitely some significant issues. Um, although, yeah, with, with drugs, yeah, my, my experiences have actually been, yeah, largely positive, but, you know, have also ended up in, in some pretty difficult places. Um, so I think there's a lack of, you know, education about drugs and alcohol, uh, you know, along with practical help throughout society, you know, in, in the UK. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I, I was approached by, by the publisher um, because of my reporting on drug policy. And yeah, my wish is that, you know, it's, it's an objective, you know, balanced book that, you know, helps raise awareness of, of the awful situation that, that many people around the world still find themselves in, um, you know, pers persecuted for, you know, trafficking, using drugs. And, and you know, it's almost always people that are marginalized that really feel the brunt um, of these regressive policies. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, happy with, happy with the book though. Um, you know, it, it, it's a kind of poppy product. It's, it's not like a big tome. Um, it's about 20,000 words, but it's got about 150 photos. You know, the publishers did, did an amazing job putting it together. It's, it's, it's yeah, great great um, little, you know, thing for the coffee table. And yeah, I, ho I guess I hope this podcast leads to a commission for my um, Magnus Opus, or is it Magnum Opus? <laughs> well, um, maybe. Um, so uh, in terms of, sort of drug policy then, um, in terms of, uh, you know, where we go next in terms, you know, the UK at the moment seems to have actually published a report which almost leads to a sort of decriminalization in an interesting way. Um, but I was wondering whether you were, you know, more in favor of sort of legalization, you know, legalization of some drugs, uh, decriminalization as they have in Portugal, which is more focused on, um, you know, removing laws for sort of carrying small quantities and trying to get people out of drug addiction. Um, so I was wondering whether you have any sort of preference towards either of those or whether there's, um, whether there's another way that you think we can do it. Yes, it's interesting. I, you know, I woke up this morning and you know checked Twitter and and spoke spoke mm. with, a, with with a friend and yeah, the the government have released this white paper today. Um, so it, you know, it's just sort of putting putting a small flag in the sand, right? A lot can happen. A lot can happen from here, but yeah, it clearly clearly signals a continued shift away from imprisonment and and a kind of blanket criminalized approach. 
despite you know some fundamentally regressive elements like drug testing people to you know make sure they're staying abstinent according to like the you know terms of a court order but you know the government seemed to be seemed to be catching up with, with the number of police forces that have, that have introduced kind of various decriminalization models uh, for certain possession and use offenses um, across the UK, you know, six, seven or eight um, police forces, Durham led the way. And it, and it seems like, you know, these policies are, you know, appear to be bearing, bearing fruit. And obvi obviously, you know, if you're not locking, locking people up, it's, it's, it's going to re reduce the rate of people in and, in and out of prison and you know many people are coming around to, to, to the reality that, that prison is you know often a kind of crime school um, and there's you know other, other promising projects underway um, state provided heroin assisted treatment in, in Middlesbrough, uh, Bristol first long-time license um, for a service to test the purity of drugs and, and deliver harm reduction was recently announced. Um, so yeah, there, there, there's plenty of movement, but, but you know, the two main parties don't really consider it you know, a vote winner. Um, I mentioned this the other day, it brings me back to this idea of this Gramscian idea of passive revolution, where you know, political change is kind of veiled in, in, in doublespeak and kind of relatively unannounced. Um, even even when it even when it's significant, but, it, but it's so gradual and slow that you know it's, it's quite difficult for the for the for the um, average person to kind of identify. Um, but I guess on the wider the wider point, you know about legalization and, and decriminalization. Um, yeah, it's not it's not just in the UK where you know in in the political sphere and the public sphere you know, drug policy is increasingly being seen as a health and, you know, not criminal issue, it, even though on this white paper, it's still going to be kind of like these special courts. And, it, and it's, you know, it's still a kind of criminal, criminal justice approach. It, it just adds more barriers to someone, you know, going to prison and follow, follows the trend that's been in place, you know, for a while, I think about 500 people, first offenders, you know, were imprisoned in 2020. It, which is still a significant number, but it's a massive fall. Um, but yeah, in, in Portugal, as I'm sure um, you know, that the death and HIV infection rate fell fell very swiftly when, when drugs were decriminalized and you know treatment provision was massively expanded. In 2001, um, the outreach work is really bold. I've seen photos of these kind of aquatic exercises for, for people in treatment that, that yeah, look, look thoroughly, thoroughly relaxing. Um, and yeah, people are going to marginalized parts of the country to offer help. Um, but I think the, the architect of, of, of the plan, you know, said that the, the main thing was is removing the stigma. So, you know, when you do that, people aren't afraid to ask for help. You know, if there is an overdose, you know, in, in a place where people are using drugs, they can call. They can call the ambulance, and you know, it's probably likely that the cops aren't the cops aren't going to come unless there's some kind of wider crime that they're investigating. Um, but yeah, decriminalisation doesn't solve the issue of the market, and and there's kind of widespread concerns that you know authority figures 
in Portugal, kind of in the police and the military, uh, uh, you know, involved in, you know, to some degree with, 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 with the drug trade, because, you know, there's still that, there's still that demand and, and decriminalization just doesn't, doesn't take the billions out of the hands of, of, of the criminals. Yeah, so I mean, uh, sort of to ask almost the opposite question, um, why then do you think that uh, drugs being illegal in the so-called sort of war on drugs, what, why do you think that that failed and, and why do you think sort of keeping drugs illegal is um, not the right route? I think, you know, historically, humans and, and indeed some other animals have got a kind of insatiable desire to explore to states of consciousness. Mm. And, you know, when, when cannabis, mushrooms, opium, coca grow so abundantly all over the world, then you can't, you can't make something illegal and expect, you know, that to stop people, you know, experimenting, working and, you know, abusing, the, the, you know, these 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 plants and unless you've got like a totally kind of authoritarian approach as in as in somewhere like the Philippines and other countries in Southeast Asia but you know still you know people still still use drugs there um yeah I think I think in, in a nutshell that that's that's the answer to the question I you know just like wheat that's using using alcohol um you can't you know, alter human nature with, you know, mere laws. Um, so something else actually uh, you wrote about uh, last year was uh, drug consumption rooms, um, which goes more along the lines of ensuring that people do use drugs and it's safely. Um, and it's, it's taken off quite a lot in Scotland, but it, I think it still has quite a way to go in England uh, to pick up that sort of popular support. Um, this is a policy that really um, should be up and running in, in as many areas as possible. Um, so is, do you think there's a way we can speed it up? And, and why do you think that drug consumption rooms are so important? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think the situation is more acute in Scotland. You know, drug death rates are the highest in Europe by, by quite some distance. Um, and with, with, with respect to, to, you know, some of my friends, the, the campaigning in England has been comparatively mild, you know, given, given that the yeah, activist Peter Crichton set up an arguably illegal, you know, supervised drug consumption van, you know, right on the streets of Glasgow. Um, but look, you know, it's, it's obviously a desperately needed service. And, and you know, he, he demonstrated the political point with, with you know, incredible bravery. Um, and, you know, it seems that a bid now uh, to install these kind of permanent facilities in three Scottish cities is, is going to be um, accepted because, yeah, the, the issue just became so serious that the governing Scottish National Party kind of simply had to hold up their progressive credentials on the one hand. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it also came from a good place, but I, th I think they're in a very difficult situation. Um, and it's a good issue for them because because drug policy is not devolved and Westminster ultimately has has the power. Um, and I think the daily record, you know, got got on board in a way that, you know, the newspapers in England um, haven't uh, regarding kind of, you know, significant 
drug policy reform. The Times put an editorial once, um, very, 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 very strong, strong, um, strong stance they took. But I don't think it's been so so sustained. Um, you know, from an editorial perspective, um, obviously, you know, newspapers across the board, you know, have, have covered some really, really important issues on drug policy very well. Um, but there hasn't been that same sustained kind of editorial stance, you know, that the Daily Record, you know, took. Um, but, you know, there, 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 is, there is pressure for, for drug consumption rooms um, in England from, you know, significant quarters, uh, 13 MPs and I think seven police and crime commissioners wrote, wrote to the then Home Secretary in 2019, a, a letter I covered for The Guardian, um, you know, call, calling, calling for them saying the international evidence is clear. You know, I think there's about 100 of uh, these drug consumption rooms around the world, 16 or so countries, you know, thousands, thousands of, um, you know, injections and, and drug uses have been recorded and, and observed and supervised. And there's never been a recorded death because, you know, if you do have supervision, someone has the overdose um, antidote naloxone and, and simply you know if, if, if the person's throwing up that they, they just make sure they don't you know choke on their own own vomit um, so it, yeah it seems it seems seems the evidence is clear I visited a, a facility in Denmark um, yeah for the Guardian in, in 2018 and yeah we did we did a very very interesting interesting piece um, covering covering the you know amazing work that they're doing there um but yeah it's it seems that it's it's a bit of a step too far i think at the moment for the authorities in in england even though we have these heroin assisted treatment um you know facilities yeah i i don't know ba ba baby baby steps there, there was a, there was a public health england report uh, a year or two ago and in the first version that they published, you know, it was a bit more sympathetic towards DCRs, but then it, then it got taken down and, and put up again a few weeks later, you know, a bit toned down. You know, it's, it's just difficult when, 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 you know, the standard of evidence that, you know, you need, you know, for certain policy changes, and especially when the, the bar seems to be much higher on controversial issues, like, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult to do some of this research to, you know, the highest standard, you know, possible. When when you when there's no there's no there's no you know funding, you know, partly because there's no profit motive. So it's it you know these charities are kind of doing it on a bootstrap, and yeah, it seems to me that that the accumulation of evidence is 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 very very impressive. So for the last bit, I'm just going to move on to sort of uh, drug use for, for medical purposes, because that's also been something in uh, especially England that's been a very large and, and sort of long standing debate. Um, uh, and one of the things uh, relatively recently has been the debate about medical cannabis. Um, so originally it was available on prescription and it was just seen as a very big win um, and, and then after that, it's turned out to be very, very difficult for people to access that. Um, I know, especially with sort of epilepsy, um, it's been very difficult for families to actually get hold of medical cannabis. 
Um, so do you think that might have actually in, in some ways been more of a political stunt than it was necessarily a, a sort of major change? Uh, and how easy would it be to actually make that more accessible? Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly I think medical cannabis was legalized to kind of kill the story that, that was getting, you know, increasingly embarrassing um, to, to the government. You know, Billy Caldwell was in was in hosp hospital after his his medicine was was confiscated. Um, and yeah, it, it was a it was a very effective piece of campaigning that, you know, illustrated. Um, yeah, kind of kind of how archaic in a way the the drug laws were on on that sp specific you know case like who who could deny a eight-year-old boy who's having you know dozens of serious seizures every day unless he has a couple of drops of you know cannabis that doesn't even really like I mean maybe maybe he'll be a little bit high but it's not like you know he's not like he's <laughs> you know walk, walking down the street of Kingston Kingston Jamaica with a big you know, doobie in, in, in his mouth. And, you know, you know, even if he was like, you know, so long, so long as he's not harming anyone else and, you know, the, the cannabis has hopefully come from an ethical source, then, you know, what, what, what difference, you know, does it make to, to the vast majority of people's lives? Um, but I guess what, what, what's happened is, is that, you know, no new NHS prescriptions have been, have been, yeah, given since, since this, legalization a couple had been previously on kind of a compassionate really exceptional basis um but yeah the thing is is that you know about ten thousand prescriptions in total you know i'm sure that some people have had more than one prescription have, have been issued privately since um november 2018 according to um one campaigner and there's about 15 clinics growing um, around the country to supply the demand. Police chiefs support this CAN card scheme used by about 50,000 people to ensure that medical users are entitled to even carry legal market cannabis. Um, and yeah, but, but privately, you know, you can get like a month's supply for about 300 quid. It's, it's, just, it's just for the specialist oils that the epileptic children need. It's obviously way more um so it's it's a really difficult situation for them like the idea that we're being legalized i presume wasn't you know just to you know give more business to private clinics it, it was you know to put it through the nhs because you know most most families you know can't afford you know to spend a few thousand pounds a month even 300 pounds a month um especially considering the, you know their their added outgoings you know, for have for having a child, you know, such a serious disability, um, and I think I think what it is is like a combination of these rigid guidelines set by the healthcare watchdog Nice, and the kind of British Pediatric Neurological Association. You know, not really supporting it, and the, you know, there's rumours of of doctors, you know, you know, coming under pressure, and you know, and. A lot, a lot, a lot of these guys and and women, you know, in these positions, you know, will have also been there twenty years ago when these kind of reefer madness, you know, narratives um, weren't as kind of challenged, you know, as they are being, you know, quite convincingly um, today.
So, yeah, I feel like there, there remains like a lot of, lot of resistance in the medical establishment, but as the evidence continues to grow, and, you know, even if it is anecdotal, I, I feel like, um, yeah, the, the kind of adherence to, to these kinds of tropes and, and views are going to continue to wilt. Uh, so my final question actually is sort of carrying on with that theme of looking at um, using drugs more for, for medical use. And, and uh, one of the other ones has been uh, psychedelics being used uh, for treatment of stuff like uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Um, and in even that, there's kind of been this um, unwillingness and pushback on, on actually using it um, simply because it is seen as a drug. Um, mm. And that one I found surprising just because of the fact that, you know, given the fact that it often ends up getting used on people who are sort of ex-military and so on as well, um, it's almost surprising that it would get pushed back. So, you know, how, how do we kind of get past that resistance? Because it's, it's strange, I think, just even see it there. Yes, I mean, for me, it's, it, it's quite remarkable, you know, some of these arguments, you know, saying, well, you know, use another drug to, to treat, treat addiction or, or, or you know, the, these sorts of things. I mean, morphine, morphine is a drug, you know, antidepressants are drugs. All, all of these, you know, pills that, that, that are prescribed are also, you know, consciousness alterants. But yeah, veteran, veterans are, the, are at the front line of the, of the changes in the US and, I understand that within 24 months, you know, it's expected that MDMA and psilocybin will, will be, you know, um, approved by, by the FDA for PTSD and depression, respectively. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I guess a, a classic kind of countercultural refrain has been that you know perhaps psychedelics were prohibited because the US establishment and others around the world who, who followed in tandem were, were, were afraid that they, they might cause people to become more, more rebellious uh, and thus increase pressure on the status quo to, to, to make some changes. Um, like I, I, I feel you know maybe it's not as clear cut as that. It's, I think it's more that you know President Nixon who, who declared the war on drugs, you know, the hippies the nascent hippie movement then was, was very anti-Vietnam War. Um, and especially at that time, yeah, like, you know, the, the idea that you would, you know, recreatively <laughs> take something that, that could in some cases, you know, send you pretty loopy, but obviously, you know, the vast majority of, of usages, um, you, know, I'm, you know, responsible, maybe it didn't seem so at the time, but, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if, 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 you know, most people were just taking, taking them like lunatics. I mean, it, it, it is possible. Um, but yeah, I've, I think he was just seeking to crush opposition to the Vietnam War. And it, it was a good, it was a good stick to, to beat them with. So it, it's kind of collateral damage in, in, in a way. Um, and also, and, and this is the same thing today as regulators kind of grapple, you know, with, with these questions like, Psychedelics don't kind of fit into this allopathic pharmaceutical model. You know, they, you know, they will need to come alongside, you know, therapy, preparation before, integration, afterwards. Um, 
and nor nor does their kind of seemingly manifold you know benefits fit into this kind of rationalist you know worldview that that's that's kind of often tinged by a kind of disconnection with nature and uh, you know and a, and a skepticism of the you know potentially healing power of you know simple simple plants um and the knowledge of it, of indigenous cultures you know i think we in the west have you know become very ostracized from um you know if ever we were more more connected you know with, with them in 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 some ways perhaps perhaps through our own um you know traditions but you know the, these kind of medicine people were also you know persecuted through through the witch hunts you know the inquisition the you know roman attacks on the druids um but yeah i, I think i think it's a positive moment though you know research has been you know un unshackled you know still now like you know skeptics you know justifiably point to the fact that most of most of the research on each specific drug is only only kind of you know tested hundreds of people not not thousands and yeah i think that's that's a you know significant point also explained by the fact that you know big pharma hasn't hasn't got behind it so it's mainly kind of smaller organizations that are, that are funding funding these studies so that 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 does explain the scope of them to to some some extent that i think there are there are questions um for other organizations to answer on, on some of the sizes of the studies um but you know look the, the, these these drugs you know or plants um you know carry i think you know great great potential for healing and you know it's not not a minute overdue in in this kind of mental health crisis and and you know the growing realization that some of our current drugs you know that are widely prescribed aren't fit for purpose um and nothing nothing really survives i think in human consciousness for this long if it if it was useless you know with, with regards to um you know some some of these plant medicines psychedelics you know that have been used for thousands of years um and today, yeah, all sorts of people are using psychedelics. You know, Chris Martin, you know, was coming out saying that, you know, the Coldplay frontman that they helped him reconcile his, his view on the world. Like Justin Bieber's wearing like shroomy necklaces, like as well other pop stars like Jaden Smith is saying how amazing everything is on, on magic mushrooms. Like half of Hollywood have, have done ayahuasca and, and DMT. You know, there's this Michael Pollan Netflix series out at the moment. Like, it, it's difficult to keep up with it, really. It's literally only over the last like three or four years, just the Ov the Overton window has has really shifted. Um, you know, in in step with with you know some some of the research which has been has been very impressive, and and these um, stories of people like the veterans, you know, who had crippling PTSD. And now suddenly can you know enjoy their lives? They still face challenges, but you know they're not they're not experiencing these these really really crippling and um, destructive um, symptoms. It seems to me, you know, as people will find out on this on this Netflix documentary. I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but psychedelics you know can really go to the root of, of people's 
trauma and, and suffering in a way that I, I don't think current Western medicines can. Um, you know, people can undergo therapy and, and do, do, do different forms of meditation and exercise, but you can, you can really, you know, take a shortcut with, with, with these psychedelics and, and then these other practices can, can help people integrate their, their experiences. Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel like the question really now is, is access and method of delivery because currently psychedelic therapy is basically, you know, where it's permitted, it's generally the preserve of wealthy, wealthy Westerners. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, you know, a, sh a shame. Um, obviously it's, there's economic factors. Um, and if there's, if there's not state support, you know, for, for these treatments and, you know, that will continue. It's, it seems like, you know, in Oregon, which is um, rolling out psilocybin therapy next year, that, you know, there may be some, some spots, you know, for, for, for people on, on low incomes, but, you know, broadly speaking, in keeping with the US um, healthcare model, you know, it's going to be um, paid for and whether people's insurance packages cover it, remains to be seen. I, I think it, I think it would take 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 some time. Well, thank you for that answer and, and also just thank you for coming on the conversation. Yeah, no, thank you for thank you for ha having me on. It's it's been um yeah good to chat with you and yeah we're in a we're in a really yeah interesting moment right now. I think mm -hmm. I think as I say like three years ago when I when I was approached to do this book like it it was you know still in some some aspects are kind of taboo, taboo topic, you know, hmm. legalize, legalizing drugs. And look, I think, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't rush to do, um, you know, anything and everything has to be, you know, very carefully, um, you know, considered. And, you know, I think, you know, significant um, safeguards, you know, need to be in place. Uh, you know, I don't think we should have you know, a retail market for, 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 all, for all drugs. Um, and indeed, I, I think that, you know, the safeguards on alcohol use should be, should be much stronger, you know, such as, such as in places like Quebec in Canada, where, you know, spirits are only sold in a, in a small number of government, government stores that are only open between certain times. But, you know, I think, think we should go even further than that. And, you know, there should be far more readily available, you know, treatment and, and harm reduction advice. Um, yeah, for alcohol, you know, and, and drugs, you know, as, as soon as possible, because people, people just don't have, don't have the information, um, you know, whether they're legal or, or illegal. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think that's a, that's a terrible shame. And, that, and that's, you know, that lack of information, that lack of education, you know, is in large part, you know, drive, driving, driving a lot of this a lot, along with, you know, other, other factors. Very much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, I, I honestly think at the moment that that kind of feels like the end of the um, Netflix series, actually. Um, it's sort of a similar, but their, their thing is we should, do, should not take drugs seriously, but effectively go, you know, it is if you legalize them and all the rest of it, it's, um, uh, the, the biggest thing is to make sure that it isn't just used as much as a recreational thing, which seems to be the phrase now, 
Um, but the sort of the ending is like, you know, using it for some kind of purpose because um, most of it's going around and looking at, you know, Native Americans and how they use drugs and, um, you know, how it's used in therapy and, and so on. Mm -hmm. so it, it feels very similar to that in the sense of, um, you know, yes, it can be legalised and stuff, but it's always good to actually have, you know, purposes that actually it is good for as well as just, you know, simply go, oh, okay, it's legal now. Yes, I mean... You know, when when we when the West first discovered tobacco, mm -hmm. you know, the, the you know these chaps in these Native American you know communities weren't, weren't walking around chain smoking. They, mm -hmm. they were, you know, it was the ceremonial use of of tobacco in you know relatively limited amount of, of occasions. So I think that I think there's a you know a lot a lot we can learn also you know for the, for the use of, use of alcohol um, and you know we need to we need to be careful like. You know, just look at the opioid crisis in, in the US. Pharmaceutical companies, you know, had carte blanche to, you know, sell the sell these addictive painkillers, you know, in through pharmacies ac across the country. And you know, look look what's look what's happening now. And you know, some 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 of these drugs, you know, that are currently illegal, you know, might even be more more addictive. You know than than opioids, so yeah. Look, we we need to we need to be we need to be careful. But this isn't an argument not 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 to change things because I think it's you know even more dangerous to just uphold the the status quo. Very much so. Well, I, I think we'll <laughs> we can leave it there unless there's anything <laughs> else you want to say sort of uh, on the end. But um... no, I think I think that's a good 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 way to to, to round it off. You know. As I say, I, I just, I just, you know, I, I just want to let you know the facts do the talking, and you know, if I if I can be can be a medium for some of those on on both sides, mm. you know, some of the issues that also also arising um, regarding regarding the use of use of drugs in 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 therapy and elsewhere, then you know, I, I'm you know happy happy to to be that messenger, you know, from from yeah an unbiased perspective. Brilliant. Well, as I said, thank you for coming on um, and it's been thank great to chat to you. Cheers. Thanks, Torin.